0: Hey, this is John Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't The New York Jets can beat any day in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday The New York Jets. Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jet fans. very passionate. Er, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. Darnold. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate.
1: Brady sucks. Don't be
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Fowl. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris. Everybody. <sighs> man. I don't know, man. Wow, not, not excited, Mike? In case you people don't know, the reason it sounds like Mike's upset is that we just got the news of who our new coaching hire is going to be. What? What the f***? Not someone we expected, not someone I considered an actual candidate because it seemed like he was an inept, horrific coach. Jabroni! the 30th ranked offense in the NFL, even though he's supposed to be an offensive guru. Crap. That lost the entire locker room and players seemed to despise. Grab it. But now he's the head coach of the New York Jets. Mike seems like typical, same old Jets. How... Is this even possible? It bothers
1: me because Mike McCagnin is someone who I've really stayed in his corner. I believed in him because I felt that he had a vision for our team. He positioned our team for a rebuild. No other general manager have ever, ever did that. But this decision just makes me so very mad. And I understand the logic, I'm sure, in his mind and Christopher Johnson's mind. Uh, why they decided to go this route, they wanted an experienced coach, they got that. They wanted an offensive-minded coach, they got that. They wanted a coach who had success in the past with quarterbacks, they got that. And supposedly Albert Breer is reporting that Peyton Manning contacted Chris Johnson and recommended Adam Gates to be the coach of the New York Jacks to tutor Tudor Sam Darnold at being quarterback. But what bothers me about Mike McCagnon is that he didn't look at one of the most important things that a coach does and that is interact with his players. And if he were to just go ahead and pick up the Miami Herald and look at the disaster, the disaster that happened in Miami, he would understand that this is not the right fit. I have a very good friend of mine who is a Miami Dolphin Oh yeah, fan.
0: Mike, will you please share this? This is good. Please share this with all Jet fans. So, a great friend of mine, he serves
1: in the United States Navy. His name is uh, Chief Jeremy Hendricks. He said to me, he's a big Miami fan, he said he never took accountability and blamed everyone else. He got rid of people instead of leading them. He yelled at the toward the owner at the end of the season like the way Ryan Leaf yelled at the media. I never disliked anyone more on my team. End quote. Let that sink in. I never disliked anyone more on my team. You know, you read I this is this is what you know, you read about what happened in Miami, in the Miami Herald, a story about what happened in that locker room, how he had his players that he identified who were his players like Brian Tannehill and whatnot and others felt, you know, cut out. They didn't feel important. They didn't feel part of the team. And he lost the team um, in the second half of the season. And this to me is the biggest scare for this hire. Because I don't feel like... And Mike Greenberg just tweeted this. He said, Adam Gates better win early. Because if he doesn't, his personality, along with the New York media and this jet locker room, has a potential of just exploding. And this guy with his temperament and his attitude and his his ability not to be patient is not going to be conducive in New York. So, okay, McCadnan, I got you on the whole philosophy around Sam Darnold and offensive mind, but being a head coach is bigger than that. It's not just about philosophy and it's not just about development. It's about being the chief executive officer of a franchise, of a of a unit of men. And men operate on respect. And this man had a lack of respect in my opinion.
0: Still a little bit of shock, Mike. I have the grape vodka out. I've had a few drinks tonight, I won't lie. I'm not excited about this hire. I had to have a few just to get ready for the podcast today because his his personality type, that personality type. Giant D Nozzle. Like, you know, like the way that Greg Popovich speaks to sideline reporters before he goes into halftime. You know what I mean, Mike? That type yeah. of person, when you've won in the NFL, when you've gotten to a certain level, you still shouldn't act like that. But at that point, people let you get away with it. Like the way Belichick acts and the way other people act, other successful sports coaches and even athletes to a degree act. He's done absolutely nothing at all to treat reporters the way he's treated them when they've asked him questions in Miami, which has not been amazing. So I'm in the locker room, Mike, so am I speaking from first-hand accounts? Of course not. But when you read um, a lot of the tweets that have come out, when you read a lot of the blogs from Miami, when you read a lot of the reasons he got fired, when you read a lot of the comments... From players, former players, even before you hear comments that have been given to reporters, that are guys that didn't want to identify themselves, this was not somebody that was popular with his players. And you mentioned this uh, when it comes to having to lead men on the field, just because you, you know, are supposedly good at X's and O's, which I don't see why he was good at that either, their offense was ranked 30th, I don't, it doesn't translate over to you being a leader of men, this is why a lot of defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators have not been able to succeed, it's why Todd Bowles was not able to succeed, it's why Eric Mangini was not able to succeed, it's why so many guys, Mike, that you and I can name, and neither of those guys had as an abrasive personality as this guy does, Mike, it was a different type of personality, but in the same vein, they weren't able to necessarily get through to players and connect with them. Okay, yeah, and that's what we I heard mean, in so far as a criticism of this coach. Um, the way that players look at him in Miami, and at least how he's been regarded, so far as I can tell, is not somebody that players felt amazingly about. Not someone that you want to necessarily, if there's that much of a toxic environment, that. When you're the coach, you create the environment. Like someone who owns a company, Mike, you know, it, it kind of trickles down from the top, right? The environment that's created in any work environment. When you hear how bad the environment was there, and he was the coach. And now you want to match him up with Sam Darnold, our young, our young little pup that we have, our young, our young quarterback, or possibly our future, uh, I mean, a hopefully great player for the next decade and so. You think this is the guy to lead him? When you say, you, you listed off some check marks there. You said, oh, well, they wanted an offensive coach. Who cares if you're an offensive coach, if when you've had a chance to be a head coach and lead an offense, they weren't good. Who cares? Who cares? Doesn't make a difference. That means when you had a chance to lead an offense and have the reins and have total control. They weren't good. They weren't effective. No one no one cared about it. No one was worried about the Miami Dolphins offense. You know, you said he's someone that's had success leading quarterbacks. When he was the head coach of a football team and had Ryan Tannehill, right, guy that was drafted high who he said he could do a lot with, Ryan Tannehill didn't improve. I know he got injured this year, but he got even worse as he was the coach. He he got even worse under, under under his reign. You know, when somebody with NFL experience, what does that amount to if your NFL experience and what you're leaving behind is a track record that wasn't positive and wasn't good? I mean, I understand sometimes these things are intangibles and things people want to look at as positives. I get it. But I wasn't necessarily, like, the biggest proponent of hiring Mike McCarthy. Mike, we argued about it a bit last week insofar as his merits and how much he's been, how instrumental he was to the rise of Aaron Rodgers and his record and how good a coach he was. That said, in this millisecond, I would have accepted that hire and been more understanding of them hiring Mike McCarthy than hiring someone that was just fired a week ago that no one has anything to say about, I guess, except Peyton Manning. I mean, it is completely mind-boggling to me. It makes no sense. I don't understand it. I don't know what is the thought process except one thing. One thing I could think of, Mike, and we bandied this about you and I in our jet chat with our buddies, Adam Gaze is not going to be involved in player personnel decisions, and it doesn't seem like he asked for that either, and he probably didn't have any leverage to ask for that because he was just fired a week ago. And he was fired a week ago and doesn't have it in his his back pocket or in his resume, unlike a Mike McCarthy, 13 years of coaching, coaching experience and a Super Bowl. Someone at least with that cachet can step to the table and say maybe they want to be more involved in player personnel decisions. It seemed like that's what McCarthy wanted. It seemed like he wanted to be involved in that. He wanted to step into the realm of where Mikey Mack makes the decisions. Mikey Mack wants to keep his job because he has not done a good job in drafts. We detailed that on the show. He's done a horrible job drafting. He has not done a good job in free agency for the most part. Uh, Trades, he's done a pretty, pretty decent job with, Mike. I'll say that. But two out of three parts of your job as a GM, he has not really done a good job with. I think just in a situation where he's just looking out for himself... A self-serving situation, not a situation where he's looking out for the best interests of the Jets. He's looking out for the best interests of him and his job. He hired someone that's not going to ask him any questions. Is going to let him make all the player personnel decisions so that he can. It just seems like if McCarthy came in here, he'd want to throw his weight around a little more, and that might mean a shorter, a shorter leash with Mikey Mac. Where now with Adam Gase, he's not going to be evolving that part of things. Maybe Mike Mike McCacken has a little bit longer of a run now. I don't know if that's part of it, Mike, but it seems like that might have played into the... Adam. One
1: thing I've learned. Uh... schooling myself around some of this is that one of the most important attributes to whether it's GMing or coaching is control of the 53-man roster it's something that Bill Parcells demanded it's something that Bill Belichick demands a lot of these coaches who want to have control like John Jim Harbaugh would come he would demand it the control of the 53 is extremely important Adam Gase had that power and latitude in Miami he will not have that power here with the new york jets mike mccagnon will have that and with mike mccarthy according to reports that's something that mike mccagnon would have had to let go of and that may have been part of the reason why they didn't go that direction um adam gates will be running the team he'll be supervising the offense he'll be supervising the defense he's going to be bringing his offensive coordinator from Miami and Vance Joseph, the ex-Broncos head coach as a defensive coordinator. They haven't been confirmed, but that's where where they're going. So, you know, from a play calling standpoint, you know, that's supposedly his strength. One sentiment we heard uh, from Miami Dolphin players was that Gase wanted to fool the off of the other team, but sometimes he ended up outsmarting himself that frustrated players um from the locker room case wasn't emotionally level as a head coach that needed to be at times one player said if play calling didn't work he sometimes let it carry over for several minutes and was out of sorts emotionally they said that probably would have been a better approach on how to actually coach in those ways so he he also never would stick to the a a way a a certain play was going so a passing was working and You could see that it was, you know, passing was actually working against the team. He would switch it up and start running it just to think that he can outsmart the other team. But really, why are you stopping what's working? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There was a lot of reports I heard. You know, he, you know, if you want to say his first year, his offense ranked 17th overall and they made the playoffs and they won 10 games. Uh, But Todd Bowles won 10 games, too, in his first season, and we all know what kind of coach he is. So just because you won 10 games and made a playoff appearance doesn't make you a great coach. I know that injuries were involved with Tannehill's reign. He played for 24 games, was out for 24 games. Uh, Gase's final record was 23, and... I uh, forget what his final record was, but it wasn't a what he was under sub 500 by about two games. And you know, I know he didn't have his, his quarterback, but I never saw the team improve under him, and I never saw players go step up to bat for him. And he's somebody that's going to come in here. And again, Mike McCarthy, the 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 biggest difference between the two of them, Mike McCarthy would have came in here, and he would have demanded and received respect immediately. Not that we thought that he was the greatest coach, but because of the Super Bowls and because of uh, Brett Favre and Rodgers, he would have brought respect with him. Adam Gates is walking in there, and I can tell you right now that a lot of these Jet players are not happy with this hire.
0: And not only Jet players, how about Jet fans? Our friends that we all know that are Jet fans, I mean, almost every single person lost their mind. Uh, if you if you just type it into your Google machine right now, and you go to the Daily News, you go to New York Post, or you go to Twitter, I mean, you told me one poll, Mike, what did you say, it was like 83% yeah, that,
1: <laughs> dead higher yeah, so far? Yeah, Joe, Joe um, caparoso put out a poll on 2,000 votes, and it was like 83% of people said it was terrible.
0: Yeah, it just it just seems to one, like, be one of these... He, he just seemed to me, from the outside looking in as a Jet fan, when I saw his personality and just kind of how he went about things in Miami... I was like, that dude would never be a good coach in New York, but I never had to worry about it because he's going to get fired by Miami and he would never be the Jets coach and it's never something you have to ponder. But guess what? Here we are. We're, we're we're in the twilight zone right now where someone you thought might possibly be the worst candidate in your head of anybody, so you didn't even consider him or talk about him. Maybe if you have a podcast or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone We didn't even discuss because, well, I guess we did, we did briefly bring him up last week, Mike. But not someone that we discussed seriously, because he's like, well, there's no way they're going to hire Adam Gase. Jabroni Adam Gase with one of the worst offenses in the league, who, his whole locker room, you know, seemed to dislike him. He's, and he, you know, he just got nothing done with Tannehill. And, like, what's the reason you hire him? Nothing! You've got nothing! Nothing! The attribute, what's the thing? But like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been sitting here. I've been, since since we got the news, Mike, I've been trying to look all, I'm looking all over the place. I don't, I don't see anything possible. Dude, you know, I don't, dude. I
1: don't Here's some. uh, Let me just give you some quotes from some of these players. Dolphins offensive tackle Jawan James, quote: "We never honestly had an identity. When you don't have an identity on offense, it's hard because you don't know what to what to go to when things go wrong. You're just trying stuff." End quote. Then you hear another thing from. Chris Kaufman, who talks about Kenyon Drake and all the other quarterback players. He says, so what do I hear? I heard surprising number of veterans, including surprising ones like Frank Gore, Kenny Stills, and especially Cameron Wake, all rose up and disavowed GACE privately. Wake and stills directly directly to Steve Ross. Kenyon Drake wanted a trade if case remained.
0: Yeah, and you know what's funny? We mentioned that last week on the show about Kenyon Drake, Mike. How about that? And, you know, we said that uh, it's interesting. And he, he actually didn't say anything during the season. He, he said all the right things. When he got interviewed a bunch of different times, there's one was there's one game he had, one carry, Mike. Uh, and they interviewed him about that in Miami. They kind of tried to put you on the spot, get you to say something bad about your coach. And he said he gets paid... To call the plays, I get play to play football. I'm not gonna say anything bad about my coach. See, that's smart during the season, but you don't. That, that's not encouraging. You know, if you you have a player like we mentioned last week, like say for instance a Kenyan Drake. You saw that when they when they ended that Miami game and they got the ball to him and he ran into the end zone. You saw in one play kind of the things that guy could do. Um, and he's hard to tackle, and he can catch the ball, and he's durable, and he seems like a really good player, or a guy any team would want to kind of maybe give a shot as their starting running back instead. They started Frank Gore the whole season. There was, there was a three-week stretch there where he had only four or five carries. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing? Is there a personal problem, or do you just have no idea what you're doing? One game to the next, it seemed like you said um, the way they tried to attack teams was always different. Because Whoa. maybe they did that, Mike, because they didn't have enough strengths to attack a team in one certain way. I get that if that's what you're doing. You're trying to vary it up. But if you don't have an identity, like, for instance, with the Jets this year with Sam, as even as the year went on, we tried our best to run the ball. You know, we, we tried to establish the run game most games that we played, except maybe the, uh, the first Miami game we threw the ball a ton because we got behind. But, uh, right. you know, I mean, Sam was young, so that's what the Jets did. We didn't take that many chances. At the end of the year, we took a little bit more. But So the Jets kind of knew how we were going to go about things, right? So that's when players know those things, you know, you're more confident in your approach and you feel good going out there. When you have no clue what your coach is doing, when you when you think your coach is going to lose confidence In his own team, in his own play calling, and guys on the field put, you know, not have faith in guys that might be even better than people in front of them just because of a personal reason or whatever the case may be, it's hard to get behind that guy. And and that's the guy that we just hired as our coach. Number three pick in the draft, most cap room in the league besides the Colts. We have Sam Darnold, number three pick in the draft last year, our young gem for the future, and we hired Adam Gase. Adam Gase to take the reins and lead Sam to the future. I mean, you just can't, you just can't, I don't know. I I just, I just can't. So so jet
1: fans are going to, some of our listeners listeners are going to ask the question while they listen to our podcast and say, you know, I just read a report, a story on daily news by Manish Mehta, who's the jet beat writer who is, has been very successful in understanding the, the pulse of the New York Jets. I must give him a lot of credit. Um, in certain ways, but here he writes a story about Adam Gase, and he thinks it's an excellent hire. He starts off his column saying he's smart, confident, and doesn't put up with BS. Realizes that a rotten culture will destroy everything. He's got no time for knuckleheads. The Jets hit a home run by hiring Adam Gase to be their next coach. So explain to me, Keith, and these listeners, how someone like Manish Mehta, even though I'm sure you don't know who, how he's thinking or whatever, but how can? A beat writer like this who's seen the New York Jets at their lowest and their highs say something like this and have such a diametrically opposed opinion than most of Jet Nation.
0: Well, you know what? I don't, I'm on in Manish Made His Head. I don't know his sources, but I do know that uh, he is the only person, only writer that I know of, Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you look at the, if you look at the Miami writers that have covered this guy for three years, when you talk about a bad locker room environment, they said the cause of it was him. Yeah. So uh, that, that when he says, when he's saying when he's writing in this headline that, um, you know, he understands that you know that, that for a team a bad locker room environment or that you know that that's going to be detrimental to a team. Well, well, how, what what are you talking about? Because that's all you heard of coming out of the Dolphins locker room at the end of the season. Mike, that, that's, that's all you heard from former players tweeting at him when he got fired, how happy they were. You don't see that happen. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen very often, Mike, where you see guys tweeting at a, a former coach when he gets canned. And also, when it comes to saying he didn't lose the locker room, all I've read, all I've heard from quote-unquote NFL insiders not named Manish Mehta is the opposite. Right, and so how
1: does he report and say one giant myth is Gase did not lose the Miami locker room. So what is this, like, I, you know, this era that we live in you know one person says it's blue and another person says it's red and they both say these this is facts that can't be you can't like it's crazy that he would say this but other writers say completely the opposite and both have a job (laughs) It either one's true or one's not it, it, that's, no, I, I it
0: doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's, I, you know what, <sighs> Jet Nation. You know our show's name is being green. Yeah. And as we move through time, you get to these points where I say to myself, you know, we always watch sports long enough where you've seen teams like say the Patriots, who are abysmal garbage franchise, um, until about seventeen years ago, that you think the law of averages says your team, our team, our beloved Jets, Mike, are gonna be good. We're gonna turn the corner. Okay, we're gonna. All, it seemed like all these stars. Or are aligning, Mike. I'm yeah. looking at my telescope, my little jet telescope up into the stars, up into the cosmos, Mike. And I see Sam forming. You see, oh, we got another hot draft pick that's falling into place. We have all this cap room. And then you hire Adam Gase. And someone takes my telescope and just smashes it over my head. You know, it's <laughs> just, that's what it feels like right now. It's just, I don't understand what Manish Made is talking about and... I'll say this, knowing that he is an quote-unquote insider. I'm sure he has more sources than me. He could be absolutely correct, Mike. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm saying how I feel about it right now. Someone that's seen him coach the Dolphins for three years. You know, I've done my best to keep up with all the coaches that are in the AFC East and kind of keep an eye on them. And he just doesn't seem to be a good fit here. And it does seem to be, like, someone that McKagan hired for specific reasons to me. That relates to his own job security, more than the best interest of the Jets long-term, or Sam Darnold long-term. He didn't do anything with Tannehill. I don't know anything positive I've heard besides when he made his article coming out of anywhere about this guy. He got fired, and everyone was more than happy to talk a whole bunch of smack about him on his way out, which you don't see happen very often either when guys get fired, Mike. So... Why any of that would make anyone feel good about this hire, I don't understand. The
1: thing that I can say, and I texted you this earlier, is that the expectations are extremely low. Jet fans are pissed, and if he stinks it up his first year, he's going to be gone along with Mike Mcagnin, one and done. You could bet you're, you could bet on that. That's the only thing that I can say is a positive about this because Jet Nation. Is not going to deal with it. He loses one, two games. You already know the Boo Birds are going to... They're not going to give him time like they did Todd Bowles or they did Rex Ryan or any of these other coaches. We don't like him right now. So for him, he needs to win and he needs to win quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. I think expectations will be decent for him because right. it's not a popular choice as the coach. And he doesn't seem to be someone that's going to really care one way or the other about fans' opinions, and I get that. Nor should he really care too much about fans' opinions. But he should understand the environment that he's walking into when it comes to the fans. We're not happy. We don't, you know, it, no. it seems like most Jets fans are not that happy. No. It doesn't seem to be popular down in Miami. You just got canned. And now a week later, you end up to coach with the Jets when there's other candidates out there, like for instance, a Mike McCarthy, like we said, a Monkin from Tampa Bay. They have the number one passing offense in the league with you know Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. I mean, there's people out there, Mike, other options that maybe would have made more sense, or maybe would have felt a little bit more comfortable. Joe, I would have anybody- took Caldwell over him
1: because of the of the locker room. At least I know with Caldwell, there's respect there. I would have took Caldwell, even though he's an average coach. I would have took McCarthy. I would have took Cliff Kingsbury. Who knows? Swing for the fences. This guy, I'm afraid, is going to be rotten in our locker room. And Jamal, guys, like, he could destroy Jamal Adams and his impact. Well, Jamal Adams, Sam Sam Bro, Bro, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. All I'm no, is, no, like young core. They, 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 you know, he starts picking players in his circle, and he's not, you know, like he does to, what, Quincy Anunua that he did to Kenny and Drake, for instance. I don't know. I'm using it as an example. I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. gonna shadow the locker room and I'm telling you, the, the locker room continuity is so important. And that's the only thing uh, that's the only thing you could say that, nah, had, that those players loved him. Uh, again, he was a terrible head coach, and I'm glad he's gone. But at least they loved him and there was some sort of chemistry there between each other. Here, you splinter that locker room. I mean, we don't even have a team. So that that's why he would to me he was my least on the on the, all of the candidates, he was the guy.
0: It didn't seem like an right. actual option. I just, I don't even know why he was getting an interview. I, he in my head, I'm like, why are they interviewing there's this There's a guy? lot of people like Manish Mehta, they're trying to talk
1: about his, his, how good he is as an offensive coordinator. How good does it matter? Where? Where
0: was he good? What are you talking about? Like, what, what is anybody talking about? Because pa- Peyton Manning, he worked with Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I said the same thing last week about uh, Mike McCarthy. It's like, Mike, did you ever hear anybody say, you know what, that Michael Jordan, without Phil Jackson, you know, he never would have been Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, like, you, know, you don't hear people say these things, because people that are the greatest ever are the greatest ever with me. There's, there's no coach that makes them be that way. Like, no one works as hard. Bill Belichick was
1: about to get fired. Bill Belichick was about to get fired until they got Tom Brady walked in there, and then all of a sudden, they went on their run. Bill Belichick did nothing when he was on the Browns. You don't do anything unless you have great, a great talent to go with you, but... If you splinter that locker room and that talent can't thrive, then it's, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, yeah I'm in,
0: you know what I'm interested uh, to see if at his first press conference cuz New York reporters are apt to do this if anybody says, do you know you're not that popular of a hire with Jet fans? I wonder if that comes up. It's kind of rude to do it, but who the hell cares? I wonder if someone lobs that one out of Mike, and I want to see how he handles it because he's not that popular of a hire. Don't,
1: don't give me a press pass. Don't give me a press pass. That will be my first question. Hey, we think you're a bum. What do you think about
0: that? Uh, you know, everybody. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's shift gears here. That was. We're gonna have plenty of time to talk about gays. We're gonna be here with each to the to at least to the Super Bowl. Um, riding with you on the AEBG podcast. Let's let's get into another topic that's just as depressing for me, which is our picks from last week. Yeah. Keith and Mike yeah. AEBG playoff picks. Here we go. Hey, the situation uh, kind of got heavy on. Him. El pie de Cody Parking. 43 tres yardas, el snap, le mete el pie, distancia, dirección,
1: le dio el poste. ¡No, falló! Oh. ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor!
0: ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, ¡Lo señor! ¡Los higos se van <tose> con la victoria! <misma tose> ¡Ay, papá! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! se ¡Chicano! Oh, one of the greatest calls in the history of professional sports. Ricky Ricardo, kudos to you. You're amazing. You're amazing in the World Cup. You're amazing in everything you do. And you're amazing uh, hitting calls up for the Bears there. What a way! end a game, but before we get into the pathetic ending of that game, and we'll get back into Ricky Carter in a moment, Mike, if you were, Mike, if you were to take, if aliens landed from outer space, and they had never watched professional sports, and you said, pick the winner of these four games, I bet you they get one, right? If you had a, if you had a baby, if you just had a baby, just take its hand, you put paint on its hand and you had to just slap a piece of paper one side or the other, picking four games. I bet you that baby would get at least one right. Mike, I bet that if you just randomly took a dart, closed your eyes, threw it at the wall, it's gonna land on one team or the other. You'd probably get one of four right. However, I got every single pick wrong. You're a loser! <laughs> Somehow, and there's some circumstances that lead to this, Mike, I've normally, as you know, are much more accurate than this. I step up to the plate publicly on the AEBG podcast Recording the red lights on. Throw some picks out there. The sports gods were like, no, no. What we're going to do is, we're going to embarrass you. You're going to get them all wrong like a jabroni. And prove to the world that you should stay in your jet lane. Stay in your lane. Speak about these games from the outside looking in. And do not predict winners, Mike. I got all my games wrong. Let's go through them. We'll start with the Bears-Eagles game, like we said. And the way that it ended, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen in your life, Mike? A kick hit the crossbar and hit the post. On the same exact kick at any point in any game in the history
1: of football. I've never seen a kicker kick so many field goals that hit the post. I mean what do you have like six hits
0: on post? Yeah, he was
1: he did year, a lot of season you're right. Three more. He he well, I could tell you now he's never gonna kick for
0: the But yo what again. Mike, they I did mean, say I don't know if you know, they did say that um the ball got blocked. Technically. Yeah, so now they they I don't think enough got, got on, on that ball it. for it necessarily, you know, he probably should have still have made the kick, obviously, right? But, they did get a hand on it, so it's not as bad. He did make the kick right before that, but they called a timeout, Peterson, right at the end of that game. And Nick Foles pulls another one out. Two touchdowns for Foles. Dude. Uh, the Eagles didn't really look that good. Their, their defense pretty much kept them in the game, most of the game. Um, the, and the Bears could never really get their offense going. But at the end of the game, you still seemed like they were gonna pull it out. I mean, I you picked the Eagles, Mike. I picked the Bears in this one because the way the Bears ended the season, it seemed like they were on a roll. Their team was playing good. Their defense was playing great. And the Eagles' offense was kind of in disarray. Their running back situation is kind of murky. You know, Foles is up. You didn't know if Foles still had any, like we said, any Foles dust left, Mike. Any of that magic left? And it just seems like one way or the other. I mean, they got very obviously. This pick should have went the other way. The Bears should have won the game, but missed kick at the end. And this is this is the torture of the playoffs, Mike. It's like when Doug Bryan, as we've noticed, as we've noted on this podcast, missed two field goals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2004 in the final two minutes of the game. The game goes to overtime. We lose by a field goal. The playoffs are torturous. My heart does go out to Bears fans, but I think they have a good young team. They'll probably be back in there next year.
1: I think that, to your point, the Chicago Bears were definitely the better team. Um, But sometimes plays like that happen, and teams get lucky. And I will say to you that at the end of that game, the way they're at last drive, Nick Foles, there were a couple of things of note. You know, Peterson was first in goal and Doug Peterson ran two running plays with his little midget. (laughs) Which came for which went for no gain. Now a lot of people were angry at that. They're like, why is he doing that? But if you really look closely, when he did that, he was knocking all the time at the clock. When he did those two. Then he ran a play that it didn't go anywhere, then it was fourth down, and the play call to Golden Tate. Golden Tate sold that wow. perfectly. He looked in, he looked in what a just a little to... bit to suck in the d- defense, and then he turned right, and Foles already knew where he was going. It was a design play to Tate, and it was a touchdown, fourth down. Uh, Foles just continues his magic in the postseason. The Eagles had no, no. business really beating the Bears, but um, good for them. They're going on to, to face the New Orleans Saints, and I thought the game ended 16-15. Um, Mitchell Trubitsky showed me some stuff. We've Like we've talked about this quarterback, he's been kind of up and down all year. But I thought he made some tremendous throws in the fourth quarter, especially to set them up to go ahead and uh, kick a field goal to win the game. He put the team in position to win, and I thought he had some big boy throws there. But in the end, you know, fate is fate. The, the world champion Philadelphia Eagles are going on, man. Yeah, I mean, so that was
0: a tough one. I thought the Bears would pull it out. Should have pulled it out. They took a hard loss, Mike. Now let's get on Chargers, Ravens, San Diego Chargers, Baltimore Ravens. Now, the beginning of this game for most of this game. Now, we I think we both picked the Ravens in this one. Just like I said with the Bears, Mike, and the Colts, to a degree, I guess, I should have given more respect to because they also finished the year off strong. But the Ravens, right at the end, when they brought Lamar Jackson, their offense seemed, you know, became... A little bit more one-dimensional but it became it seemed like more difficult to stop with Jackson running the ball with Gus running the ball the defense is playing great but most of this game say the first two and a half quarters of the game, most of the third quarter. Chargers basically dominated the game, defense dominated the game. Lamar Jackson looked horrible, could not complete a pass. He had three completions by almost the end of the third quarter. He couldn't do anything. Um, their offense looked horrible, and then they were able to get a few late touchdowns, started getting a little, a little something going, but it never really seemed like they threatened. They had an onside kick at the end, or they went for one at the end. Um, so they were able to at least get it that far. I get that, but to me... Chargers dominated most of the game, Ravens really big letdown in this one, and one thing that was interesting is as the game went on, when they got pretty deep into the game, with Jackson not doing anything, couldn't complete a pass, not only couldn't complete a pass, his passes, some of his passes were not even close. Not even close. Um, They just keep showing, obviously they're gonna do this, they're gonna show Flacco on the sideline over and over again, create the drama for the viewer at home, I get it, but Harbaugh didn't even seem like he thought about putting Flacco in. That didn't even seem like an option, Mike. It just seemed like, all right, we're going to ride or die with Jackson to the end. That's somebody, obviously, that's not too worried about his job security, if that's what you're doing, because, you know, you kind of just let the game go. I mean, if you put Flacco in, he could have at least completed the pass. At one point in the third quarter, he was three for whatever it was, Jackson. He only had, like, 20 yards. So their offense was beyond the net. I mean, they (laughs) could do anything, but... Kudos to the Chargers. They go up to New England next week. Mike, what do you think about the game?
1: Well, I think that the coaching staff for the San- for the Los Angeles Chargers deserve a round of applause. They played the Ravens, I think, two or three weeks ago, and they schemed exactly for that type of offense. So John Harbaugh, if he does end up staying with the Ravens, which it seems that he will, better understand that Lamar Jackson will need to be more adept and better at passing because you just saw a team be able to scheme for your type of offense. And they shut, like you said, they shut Lamar Jackson and that entire offense down for most of the the game. And I'm really gonna give kudos to John Harbaugh for sticking with Lamar Jackson. He should've went to Harbaugh. Everybody, all the other coaches said that he should've went to Harbaugh, but he stuck with Jackson and they made some changes. And Jackson in the fourth quarter was able to throw for two touchdowns, 130, 140 something yards. Almost brought the team back. Yeah, but Mike, you know, Uh, did you see the end of that? Fumbling the ball at the end, he ended up fumbling the ball, which has been a problem for him. He's been fumbling the ball, you know, and you know, he's a young quarterback. He's got to learn. He's only a little bit older than Sam Darnold, so he's not really that much, you know, he's still wet behind the ears. Um, the kid I, I thought Lamar Jackson had a good answer at the end. He said he didn't play his game that he, he wanted to play and that he needs to get better. Uh, he didn't throw anybody under the bus yeah he yeah yeah completely himself and no, I I like, I, like, I, really I, I, I like
0: his personality a lot and he seemed he seems like he really is a team player when he was at Louisville and now on the Ravens too but it just mm-hmm. seemed like mm-hmm. some of the when you watch the end of that game Mike you saw it. some of these some of the passes he completed he just hawked the ball up he's right I and mean, some of those I mean balls and he just threw it up and it was just an inch away from being intercepted fell into <laughs> a guy's arms he had what really his second touchdown to Crabtree maybe it was the first touchdown one of the two touchdowns to Crabtree was a really really good pass I'll give, him, I'll give him a lot of props for it. the yeah, first one yeah, that, was, that was a great pass yeah. on point yeah. Um, but right. he was just throwing balls up towards the end and I was like oh my god like that should have been a pick six they dropped they <laughs> dropped a couple of interceptions to the Chargers too so um, I didn't forget that but hey he brought him back and that was the game I thought the Ravens would win Came back at the end, but they really weren't in that game, so that was a tough one. Now, let's get to the Mike Cowboys game versus the Seahawks. Two teams that we said kind of mirror images of each other in the way they play offense, and if you look at the stats, it kind of bears itself out too. Tight game. Close game. We thought it'd be tight. We thought it'd be within a field goal. I thought the Seahawks would pull it out. They weren't able to get it done at the end. The Cowboys score a couple touchdowns at the end of the game. Lost 24-22. to A tight one. A loss for P. Cow. They've had a whole bunch of first round wins for the Seahawks a lot of years in a row. But the Cowboys sneak through to the next round. Now, we'll talk about the game in a sec, Mike. But the Cowboys, do you take them serious, Mike, as a contender in the NFC? Do you think... They're a team that be able to make a run, maybe the Rams, If you see them in that category and do you think this is going to be the last run, this is going to be the last round for them right here?
1: Uh, you know, we'll get to our picks in a second, but I will say that they have a strong defense and any team that has a strong defense has a chance. So they have playmakers and I thought in this game, Dak Prescott grew up. There was a play where he was on, I think it was third or fourth down, I forget which one it was, and he ended up, the the coverage he saw wasn't right, and he made the decision to run, and he ran all the way right up to the goal line, and I thought that was a big boy play. He showed the Cowboy Nation that he is able to win in the postseason and he was able to raise his game to another level and I think the decision to keep Dascott Dak Prescott in for that game sixteen against the Giants where he threw for four touchdowns helped propel him to this type of performance that we just Yeah no
0: Dak played great. Elliot played pretty good. Their defense, you know, as the year started, Mike, I don't remember anyone saying any of the pundits, any of the experts, or anything coming out of Dallas that their defense was this legit. I'm not sure if they knew. I'm not sure if they knew Jalen Smith would be this good, um, coming off that injury, and he is tremendous. He was great at ND. He's playing great now there. And uh, what's what's the other uh, other linebacker, Van der Ash, Mike? I mean, they got they have dudes that run all around the field. Defensive line's pretty good. Their secondary's good. When you have a team like that that can also run the ball pretty good. They're always going to be a threat. Uh, Cooper stepped up in this game, too. He, he didn't play good for, but he didn't do much, I should say, for the last three or four games. He played pretty well. Cowboys move on to the next round up against the Rams. That should be a great one next week, Mike. Oh, and real
1: quick, did you see that thing that happened to Allen? Oh, my she
0: God. Oh. <laughs> oh, that oh. was. Oh, my God. Legitimate. Oh. Legitimate. Oh. Horror movie. Turn your head from the screen level. Disgusting goal. Oh that's what that was i just hope none of his
1: tendons his nerve my wife works in the medical field and she said you know just hopefully his nerves his tendons aren't destroyed because if it's just bone he'll be okay but if he's ripped any ligaments or anything he, he may that
0: may be it for him man mm, oh my god, god. i mean Farrah. his you know when you play a board game mic and sometimes it has like a spinner and you spin it around to see what like your place is that's what his ankle looked like. Like, it just spun around in place. You know, and that's... Oh, I, I, could, I couldn't even imagine. We've seen some horrific injuries in the NFL before, uh, and that was that's one of the worst I've seen in a while that I can remember. We've seen some bad hits this year. That was very, very gruesome, and I really felt bad. Our, our prayers go out to Alan man. Hope you get better as soon as possible. In the last game of the week, Mike, is a game... This was a tough one for me because I really felt... Mike, I felt good. I was, I was riding or dying with your wifey. Abathela Garris, me and her. Um, I thought the Texans, playing a divisional opponent that they played really well this year already any once, uh, Colts had won a whole bunch of games. I understand that they were hot coming in, but I thought Texans D, did they, they, after the first three possessions of the game, they didn't score another point, so they proved themselves to be a decent defense. What happened? What do you, I don't even know what went on the first three possessions. The Colts went right down the field, no problem, the first three times they had the ball. T.Y. Hilton destroyed them, lit them up. It was 21-0... After the first three possessions, meanwhile, Mike, the Texans are throwing 50-yard bombs on first down—a desperation mode immediately. Bill O'Brien, I don't, I don't understand that. I thought that was a I, don't, I think he was a horribly coached game by Bill O'Brien. And I don't know what they're saying down there in Houston, but Watson didn't play great. Their defense didn't play great the first three drives. The rest of the game, they didn't give up a point, but they couldn't get anything going on offense. Watson looked a little bit disoriented. Like I said, Colts are putting some good pressure on them. And Andrew Luck and the Annapolis Colts play Mahomes next week in the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, what do you think about this game? Was Tabitha upset? What are your feelings?
1: Tabitha said to me, Didn't I tell you guys on the podcast what the, what my team does? They make the playoffs and they choke. She called it. Right? She did. She called it. Exactly, she did. Exactly. Exactly what happened. She said, She looked at me like, Didn't I tell you? I said, Babe, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know what? Look, Deshaun Watson didn't step up at all. He did not play a good game. Um, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck looks like one of the best young quarterbacks in this league. Looks like he's about to enter into the upper echelon you know, and be considered yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He really... Looked spectacular. Marlon Mack.
0: Since Marlon Mack came back, um, Marlon Mack missed, he was behind uh, Frank Gore last year. He missed two games last year, but he played the whole season last year. Had a hamstring pull in the preseason. Um, Came back, re-aggravated it. Since he's come back, he is third, no, fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. So he finished the season off basically with 908 yards rushing. And he only played, I should say, maybe about 11 games. So since he's been back with an offensive line, he's been, he's got kind of an overlooked player, but somebody has been one of the best running backs in the NFL since about week six or seven in the in season.
1: He had 24 carries, so 148 yards and a touchdown. He really would, could, was not able to be stopped. That entire offense was not able to be stopped. And hats off to Frank Reich. Um, Josh McDaniels quitting on this team before he was even hired probably was the best thing to happen to the Colts Because Frank Wright has this thing running like a well-oiled machine And do not be surprised that this team goes in to Kansas City and beats Kansas City I'm not saying that's my pick I'm just saying a team like this with Andrew Luck playing the way he's playing And this defense playing at the caliber it's playing right now it's, they're a well, hot let's,
0: team. let's get right into it Mike let's, let's get into our picks for next week Mike Colts Chiefs, You're talking about it. You teed it up. What are you feeling? Who do you think is going to take a win? It's going to be on the road for the Colts. In Kansas City, a very tough place to play. They have not necessarily been humming at the same level since Hunt left, Mike, the Chiefs offense. The first game when he left, Mahomes had a great game. He's had a a good game pretty much every game the whole season. But their offense wasn't going at the same exact level since he left, even though the running backs have played decently enough. Chiefs defense is just not that good at all. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of holes there. I think the Colts have a better defense than the Chiefs do for sure, and the Colts have a pretty good offense. So in this game, Colts Chiefs, what are you feeling, Mike? Who do you think's gonna walk away with the W? Man, the Colts the last
1: five games all they're five and zero in the last five games. Twenty four to twenty one against Houston. Twenty three to nothing against the Cowboys. 28-27 against the Giants. Thirty three to seventeen against Tennessee, and then yesterday twenty one seven. And the Chiefs they've gone 3-2, and two, losing to the Chargers and losing to the Seattle Seahawks, beating the Baltimore Ravens barely with 27-24 uh, and OT with Kareem Hunt and destroying the Oakland Raiders both times. I think that, I feel that um, Kansas City is going to end up winning this game. I don't think they're going to win by a lot but I do think they're going to end up winning because I still feel that Patrick Mahomes, as good as Andrew Luck is, I think Patrick Mahomes has been better at the quarterback position, and if he continues to play at the level that he played at, um, I think that they will have a benefit there, and also I like the Chiefs' weapons better than I like the Colts' weapons with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think that Andy Reid has more experience in situations like this. And, the, and frankly, um, Arrowhead is not a place easy place to play when it comes to the postseason. So with all of that being said, yes, I think the Colts are hot. Yes, I think the Colts have been doing really well. But I don't think it's enough to get it done in, at Arrowhead. And I think the Chiefs win. 33
0: to 30 yeah now i obviously mike i'm the kiss of death so anything i say no one should take any stock in at all but i do agree with what you said and you're all all the points you made i think are correct colts have been rolling and the chiefs you know been rolling all season two pretty evenly matched teams but i think the home field advantage will help kc they play really good at home that crowd there in our head is nuts so i do see patrick mahomes and the chiefs being able to it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a high scoring game um, but and because I do think even though the Chiefs can put up a ton of points, obviously we've seen throughout the year they give up a ton of points. And the Colts have no problem marching up and down the field. Now, if the Colts are able to slow the game down and run the ball, dominate the clock, then maybe, maybe it could be a different type of game. But I think the Chiefs are going to walk away with a W in this one. The other game in the AFC we have, of course, is the L.A. Chargers up against the hated, vile New England Patriots, Mike. Now, this is a tough one here because,
1: <sighs> oh, man what an awesome game I cannot what Tom Brady versus Philip Rivers they hated Tom Brady who's 5-0 actually against Philip Rivers um, I think in the playoffs but he's pretty he's, he's undefeated versus Philip Rivers you could check I may be wrong in what I just said um, but I do know he's undefeated and huh I, I'm gonna say okay Keith uh, look I my preseason and you know this from our chat my preseason prediction for the Super Bowl was L.A. versus L.A. And people were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look, the Chargers got it this year. Now, when it got to postseason, I switched it and said Saints-Ravens. That's obviously wrong with the Ravens. Saints can still go. But I'm going to roll. Now, now that the Ravens are out, I'm going to go with my preseason prediction for the Super Bowl. And I'm going to say the the rivers is going to get this is his year and he's going to go and he's going to beat tom brady it may be wishful thinking um i know the patriots have been good this year uh against the run i know that they've been able to execute uh their offense but i feel that the san diego chargers are going to win and i think they're going to win because i just feel good about Phillip rivers and What's going on with them? That pass rush with Ingram and Bosa is going to be a problem. And if they can get to Tom Brady and fluster him over there in Gillette, I think it's gonna be snowing. So there's gonna be snow on the ground. That does bold well for the um for the New England Patriots. Um but I feel like uh I feel like the Chargers are gonna
0: Mike. You know, I so, I so, so want to just jump on board with you right there. I want to just jump in shotgun, dude, as you're just riding down the road with that happy thought you just blasted out of the Pats, taking a hard L at home, but I just, I can't see it. I, I know that the Chargers have a better defense than the Pats, and they have just as good or not better of an offense. I'm not saying they don't, but the Chargers playing a road game in the playoffs, in New England, it could be inclement weather, all those things in my mind just lead me to believe there's a way or some shape or form that the Pats will pull the game out. Um, It's what they do, it's horrible, it makes me want to vomit, but it is what it is, and this this one is kind of a coin flip, so I don't think it's really a wrong choice. Chargers, uh, you can convince me very easily The Chargers could win the game too, but I just see this being one of those tight games where, in the fourth quarter, Pats find some way to get a field goal. They make a stop. They go down and score another touchdown. The game's over. I mean, they always just—it just seems like this is when they play. Obviously, when they play their best football, and it doesn't seem historically to be when the Chargers and Phillip Rivers play their best football. So they played a good game last week. Yeah. They got up on the Ravens. They let them get back in it. If they played that same type of game in the second half, they played last week versus the Pats this week. They're gonna lose by a large margin, but if they play like they played in the first half last week, then this game could be tight. So uh, I think the Pats are gonna I think the Pats are gonna keep it close and pull it out at the end. Unfortunately, now let's go over to the NFC. The game that most people's eyeballs are gonna be on this week, Mike, probably will be besides the Pats game, Eagle Saints. When you have. Yeah. The, m- yeah. the miracle run of Nick Foles and the Eagles continuing, and you have the Saints, who a lot of people, cons- the consensus may be number one power rank team. I don't know. It can be argued, but a lot of people think maybe he's the best team in the playoffs right now, defense, offensive-wise. Road game for the Eagles. Nick Foles, do you think he has enough magic left? To step up to the plate and win another road game in the playoffs for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, do you think it's possible? Can the Eagles do it? Do they have any chance this weekend up against the New Orleans Saints on the road in the Superdome in Louisiana?
1: I honestly don't think so because remember what I said yet last week? I said, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is gonna beat these champions. But you know what? Drew Brees, Drew Brees is a champion too. And so is his coach. And they've got the best record in the NFL. And they're home. I love the story of Nick Foles. I love the story of the Eagles. Um But I think that ends here. I don't think they have a prayer to beat the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans is really good on defense. Like we were just discussing about defense. They're I think number one in the league against the run. Drew Brees is completing almost three-quarters of his passes, an NFL record. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If Drew Brees wins another Super Bowl, i put him at number three. If, if he were to win the MVP, I don't know if he deserves the MVP, Mahomes does, but if he were to win the MVP and he were to win another Super Bowl, I would move him past Peyton Manning, in my opinion, and put him number three behind Joe Montana and Tom Brady as the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's how great of a quarterback he's been. He's got the records. And I don't see any reason why he's not going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's somebody that is, I think, always overlooked for whatever reason uh, as, as being one of yeah. the best. but. Everybody and you know, mm-hmm. you know, I have a certain fondness for Aaron Rodgers, but everyone always talks about him being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But Drew Brees mm-hmm. and him both won only one Super Bowl, but Drew Brees has way more accomplished records statistically than Aaron Rodgers does. But he's not looked up yeah. in that upper echelon. You know, I shouldn't say that. Of course, he's looked up in the upper echelon, but not, I should say one of the greats. He's not mentioned that way. But right, right. he's not a state. He doesn't have that. That a state. He doesn't. He, he I don't. I don't, and I don't know why that is. Yeah. It almost sometimes uh, Ben Roethlisberger falls in the same category and I don't think by any means he's as good as Drew Brees but he won two Super Bowls and he has some really great years and for the past six or seven years two passing wise he put up some gigantic seasons but Drew Brees has NFL records has a Super Bowl Mike if he gets the second one like yeah. you said you gotta start yeah. talking about him as one of the goats of all time and I yeah. also do think the Saints yeah. are gonna take a W and up against the Saints next week will be one of these two teams the Cowboys or the LA Rams end of the season, the Rams did not look as frightening as they did, Mike, maybe the first 10 or 11 games of the year. Now, I know Gurley didn't play. CJ Anderson came in. He still ran the ball over the place. He still had a great record. Their team is tremendous. But Cowboys-Rams, that game to me, much tighter game than Eagle Saints. And it's one of the games that I think um, the underdog has the best chance of winning this weekend because The Cowboys match up, I think, pretty good with the Rams in this game here. And the way they've been playing, the way their defense has been playing, the way they run the ball and pretty much try to just run you down, run the clock down on you. If the Cowboys are able to run the ball on the Rams, which a lot of teams have been able to do this year, then it's not their strength stopping the run night. And it is the Cowboys' strength. So... It just seems like the Cowboys might be able to put some points up, use some clocks, stay in this game. I think the Cowboys have a real shot at winning this weekend. Yeah.
1: Um, Todd, the reason why they haven't been winning is because Todd gurley has been hurt. And I don't know if we discussed this before, but Jared Goff, all the talk about Jared Goff and how good of a quarterback he is, he's a system quarterback. And if you ever watch his games, his first read is, once his first read is done and he doesn't like it, what does he do? He dumps to Gurley and Gurley goes for like five, six yards. You, it's like clockwork. And Gurley has made Goff look incredible. But Goff really isn't as good as everybody thinks he is. And we've noticed that when Gurley got hurt. Look at how Goff has played these last couple of games.
0: Well, that's true. But also, I mean, CJ Anderson uh, ran I, for 167 and 132 in those last, it was only the last two games. He went he, berserk. Yes. He so did you can't, run he ran up, for, he, but. Todd Todd was
1: more of, a, um, when I'm talking about Todd, I'm talking about with with, with Goff specifically, with him yeah. passing game and being able to get wide open. It's Yeah, you're right, absolutely right, CJ was running. But he still didn't give him the same type of outlet that Gurley was giving him, which is why you see Goff's numbers have struggled tremendously since Gurley's been gotten down. Now, that being said, Gurley's healthy now, and he had a week to rest. He's going to be healthy, and when he's healthy... This Rams team is unbelievable, and I don't see the Cowboys being a healthy Rams team. I'm going to definitely take the Rams winning this game if Todd Gurley is healthy. If he's hurt, then they may be in for it.
0: You know, I'm going to have to agree with you, Mike. As much as in my gut, I feel like the Cowboys, with their defense... And with the strength of their offense being the run game and the weakness of the L.A. Rams defense being the run game, I think they do match up really well with the Rams. I do think they're going to have a really good chance. And I think if anyone's throwing money, the Cowboys really are. And I think the spread was only about four or five points last time I looked. But um, they are a really good bet this week. If you if, if you if you're inclined to throw money down, which I'm not, I'm not saying anyone else should do that, but like, I have to go with the Rams. Just from what I've seen from them throughout the year, golf, the weapons they have. I know they have a few injuries on offense, but with Gurley back, they have C.J. Anderson too now as a backup to Gurley, so the run game is going to be on lockdown. I think they should be able to get through, beat the Cowboys. And next week, Saints Rams NFC Championship game would be absolutely amazing. Pats Chiefs, you know that would be great too, Mike. But any of these, any of these combinations would be great. But all you do when you watch these games and you get deep into the playoffs, and there's so much on the line, Mike, I'll be sitting there watching the games, and my mind will start just daydreaming off, to just visions of green, visions of yeah. green team marching down the field, and it's 17-13. We need a touchdown to win it. And we only have one timeout left. And there's a buck 13 on the clock. And Sam someone on a fade route at the five-yard line. And I snap back into it. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm watching the Bears-Eagles game. Come back to what? Come back there! Uh, and here we are doing a podcast. We only have to dream about the playoffs. But hopefully in the next few years, we'll get there. Uh, I don't even want to think. Of, I just, they just brought back to the reality of Adam Gates just now when I thought about that. But more on the line as we move forward every single week in the playoffs as we know. Well, our only
1: our only difference really is the... I got
0: charges, you got pitch. Oh yeah this week, right? Yeah we we pretty much This week, we pretty much picked most of the same games. Uh, patch, Chargers, only game we picked different, like you said, Mike. So, we saw eye-to-eye this week. Last week, not so much. But as we move forward, every game means more. Playoffs is a blast. We're going to continue rocking, covering the playoffs here, and covering the New York Jets as we move through the month of January the beginning of February. So, everyone, stick with us. We want to thank all of you for listening to us, supporting us, tweeting at us, and everyone getting at us on social media. We really do appreciate it. Mike and the team is up on there, the AEBG social media team, blasting stuff out. All the time. So check us out, man. Mike's getting retweets, putting out uniforms, breaking news at all times. So do a great job with that, Mike. And if anybody wants to contact us or talk to us on social media, where can they do that?
1: Just know that we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter at AEBG underscore Podcast. On Instagram at jet.aeb.
0: Tremendous. You heard the man. That's Mike. I'm Keith. Another AEBG podcast is in the books, everybody. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend. We'll get at you next week. Peace out. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The, the New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. very passionate. fans. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I, I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Free
1: Don't